Good morning, friends. It is very hot, so I hope that all of you are drinking lots of water and finding every shaded surface in this city to stay cool. Um, so last week, we got, to, we got to sit and hear about Jesus' parable about building riches on earth versus being rich in God. Thank you, Catherine, for preaching such a powerful sermon. And I hope that that word is still on your hearts and you're still wrestling with it and it's still ruminating on it. And that more than anything, I hope that it is troubling our human nature towards greed and really affirming our call as a people to be people of justice. And if you haven't listened to it yet, please, when you get home, go on YouTube, go on our YouTube page and listen to that sermon at least twice because it's that good. And so we are continuing on in the Gospel of Luke. And here we go from Jesus previously talking about building storehouses and this random story about that into another random story where Jesus talks about how we are called to be like household staff slash servants waiting upon the return of the property owner. And one thing I always wondered about this passage and one thing that really stuck out to me this, this time through was I wondered if like the, the staff like had anxiety in this passage in the story because they don't know when the property owner is going to return. And if any of you have ever worked with an employer who has given you many, many tasks, but no deadlines, you might know what this anxiety feels like. And, and I pray that none of us are that type of employer. Um, and so when you read this passage, it's, it's safe to assume that when Jesus is making the connection, talking about household staff, what he's saying is the disciples and the people present are the staff in the story. And for our purposes today, um, we can then make a safe assumption that we are the staff in this story, right? And, and so now you might be thinking, okay, cool, I'm tracked with you so far, Howard, but what's this anxiety piece that seems a little, a little bit out of left field, like what do you mean by that? So let me share you a story and hopefully this will help you enter in. So about two years ago, there was a young adult uh, who will rename nameless for now, and they found themselves in a precarious place. Like, like most people who graduated two years ago during COVID, um, they had a lot of hopes and dreams about seeing, you know, they worked really hard on their degree and they wanted to see their dreams come true. And so this young adult moved to New England, both to support their partner's dream and efforts, while also hoping that their own dreams would come to fruition. But like many people during that time two years ago, dreams met the cold, harsh brick wall of COVID-19. I apologize if this stirs up things in us that we've been trying to avoid. Um, and so like many, for this, for like this young adult, for many of us in this room, uh, dreams were held in suspension. Jobs were unavailable. And the world kind of just felt like it was constantly quaking and nothing felt secure anymore. And for this young adult, it would be an understatement to say that anxiety became this person's best friend. Maybe you know this person. This person is me. I am them and they are me. 
Um, but maybe you are also this person. Or maybe you know someone who's like this person. And as I look back at the past two years, just trying to find some meaning or some reason, just something to make sense of this never-ending cycle of transition and uncertainty, uh, one thing became very clear to me. Life can feel terrible if you are forced to wait for something that doesn't feel like it'll ever come to pass. So what might God have to say to those of us that feel this way, that feel stuck in this season of waiting, in this season of perpetual transition? There are a few things that this passage invites us into during times like this, but there's one thing I'm gonna focus in on today, and it's this word, waiting. I'm gonna dig into my seminary skills a little bit. So in the Greek, in the original word, the word waiting is translated from this Greek word, prosteklamal, which is often translated as waiting or awaiting. But like many things in translation, a lot of things got lost. Because there's a deeper meaning, there's a deeper emotional like well that was lost in translation. Because I would argue that more accurate way to translate that word would be to expect, to look for the fulfillment of promises. Let me say that one more time. To expect, to look for the fulfillment of promises. Waiting, then, is not a passive action where one is idly like standing on the sidelines, but rather waiting as a conscious choice to continuously expect and look for the fulfillment of God's promises. I'm gonna say that one more time. Waiting is a conscious choice to continuously expect and look for the fulfillment of God's promises. So then that begs another question. What has God promised you? What has God promised us at this church at Old South? And maybe the deeper question beneath it all is, what are you waiting for? See, for the Israelites during this time, I know that one of the promises that God made to them that they were desperately holding on to was that God would restore them would restore the former glory and that the people that destroyed them, the empires and the nation states that oppressed, that colonized, that destroyed their way of living, they wanted all of that to end. And as we look back in history, we can clearly see a lot of those empires and nation states were actually destroyed. Um, some have never risen from the rebels. Others still kind of have a hold on our culture today, but that's okay, we're here. Um, but that question, I want to throw the question back at us again. What about you? What about us? Like, what is it that you're waiting for? What is it that you're longing for? There are many promises that God has given you, that God has given us, some of which have been fulfilled and others that have yet to be made real. But one promise that I want to name and I hope that you will receive with open hearts is this. God has given you, God has given us the agency to live our lives to the fullest, even in the midst of uncertainty, 
and especially in times of anxiety. Now, I don't know what this may look like for you to live life to the fullest. And I'm not even sure if I know what that may look like for our congregation as a whole. But what I do know is this. If we change our posture from a place of idleness into conscious waiting, then I wonder, or no, rather, if we move into conscious waiting, then waiting on God's promises is less about going outside and waiting for the sky to rip open. You see the pearly gates, you see the golden floors, you see the angels. Like, I think it's less about that. And rather, when you move into conscious waiting, it means that you're able to see yourself, to see others as maybe, just maybe, as the enfleshment of God's promises fulfilled. But you, yes you, the individual, and this community are the enfleshment of God's promises fulfilled. Like you, the person sitting next to you, I want you to actually turn to the person next to you. Yes, that person, the people around you are the fulfillment of God's promises fulfilled. Each of you reflects the image of God. Each of you carry gifts and talents that make your own life come alive, the lives of others around you, this church, and dare I even say this city and this commonwealth. All of you carry these things, all of us carrying a different valence of God's fulfilled promises. So what if we started to live a life that reflected that? Not in an egotistical, narcissistic way, mind you, but in a grace-filled, love-abundant, let's-get-through-this-together type of way. And if we start living this way, this is what I imagine what that might look like. I imagine it'll look like us working together and setting up mutual aid funds to help each other thrive. I imagine it'll smell like the aromas of potlucks and all-church picnics and food banks, making sure that no one in our community and no one in the city ever goes hungry again. I imagine it'll sound a lot like prayer, like laughter and tears hitting the floor, saturating this building and these streets with love and care. I imagine it'll taste like the communion we take every Thursday and every Sunday morning, filling us up with the mystery of God's love, and I imagine it'll feel like home. A place where justice is the norm and injustice a whisperer in the wind. Waiting on God is a conscious choice, one that calls us to continuously expect and look for the fulfillment of God's promises and continuously find it in flesh in yourself and in others. Let me say that one more time. Waiting on God is a conscious choice, one that calls us to continuously expect and look for the fulfillments of God's promises and continuously find it in flesh in yourself and in others. So I don't know about you, but I think I'm ready. I'm ready to see myself 
as the enfleshments of God's promises fulfilled. I'm ready to see you as the enfleshment of God's promises fulfilled. I'm ready for you to see yourself as God's promises enfleshed. And I'm ready for all of us to see each other as the enfleshment of God's promises fulfilled. So let's get ready. Let's get ready to do that. Let's get dressed and let's ready ourselves to live our lives to the fullest, waiting on God's return. May you see yourself, see others, and see everyone around you as the enfleshment of God's promises fulfilled. Amen. Thank you.